Hello, agents, and welcome to a very special first for Podcast 13. So, as you may remember, we put on our Patreon site that once we got enough funding to pay for our website hosting fees, we would start putting complete, uncut, artifact expert interviews on our website. Now, we are not going to put them all on the actual podcast feed, first of all, because they're uncut, and second of all, we want you to be able to pick and choose which topics you were most interested in. But I'm going to begin that process over the next few months. It will take months because we've recorded a lot, a lot of content since uh, just about one year ago. So by like January, February, you should start to see kind of in reverse order all of our previous episodes, uh, artifact, expert, historians we've interviewed be showing up on a new tab on our website. Um, But to kick this off, I wanted to begin with this uncut recording of Jillian's description of the Hollywood Blacklist and the way that Spartacus as a historical American film ties to the history of the Jewish American community. I thought everything she said was so powerful. It is her field and her identity. And unfortunately, I had to cut a lot of the amazing things she said simply because we didn't have the time. So if you are interested, it is uncut. That means there are ums and awkward pauses, but it's so incredible. It's like sitting in your favorite college classroom and learning something so meaningful and important. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Yes, so let's start with some terms. Um, The first important one that we're gonna need to know here is the House Un-Americans Activity Committee. So the House is a branch of the U.S. Congress, for those of us outside the, sorry, the House is a branch of the U.S. Congress for anyone listening outside the United States, and the House Un-American Activities Committee existed in the 40s and 50s to ostensibly investigate treason and activities that lead to treason in the United States but specifically led to persecution of anyone in any way affiliated with communism. So that's an important thing to know. Then we need to know about the Hollywood 10. The Hollywood 10 are 10 people who were named by the House on American Activities Committee that were requested or subpoenaed, more accurately, to appear before the committee um, to, to testify and talk about their involvement in the Communist Party. These were 10 writers and directors who were cited by the HUAC for, quote, contempt of Congress on November 24th, 1947. Contempt of Congress is basically... It's a crime you commit when you prevent Congress from doing its job, essentially. And it used to mean... Essentially, if you bribed a congressperson, you were you were interfering you were obstructing the justice that our nation is supposed to do but it has come to mean people who refuse to comply with federal subpoenas um and not appearing before congress so an example of a very highly publicized 
hearing before Congress that has happened in recent years was Hillary Clinton and Benghazi. She showed up again and again and again because she kept getting subpoenaed. If she chose not to show up, she probably would have been cited for contempt of Congress, which is a problem. Um, the blacklist started the day after these 10 people were named. So November 25th, 1947. These 10 people were writers and directors from Hollywood, and the reason they didn't appear was because they saw that this would be a witch hunt that led to the prosecution of anyone involved with communism, and that's exactly what it did. But they weren't... It was a thinly veiled attempt by Congress to say, tell us everyone you know who has participated in this activity, or we will end your career. And they said, well, then I guess you'll be ending our career. Uh, this citation included a criminal charge, which led to a trial where they each paid $1,000 and were sentenced to a year in jail each. It's a big problem. And after that took place, let me see. I'll include the full statement of what happened in the show notes. But... The MPAA, I'm sure everyone has heard of it, even if you don't know you've heard of it. It's that weird little symbol that appears in the beginning of all trailers. The MPAA has approved it for this rating or whatever, or this movie has been approved by the MPAA. That's the Motion Picture Association of America, and they're a big deal. And a bunch of studio heads and executives met at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel and this is why they call it the Hollywood 10 and the creation of the blacklist, they um, released a statement called the Waldorf Statement, which named these 10 people who were subpoenaed. And instead of standing by the people who were creating their content, they issued a statement that included the following text. We will forthwith discharge or suspend without compensation those in our employment, and we will not re-employ any of the ten until such time as he is acquitted or has purged himself of contempt and declares under oath he is not a communist. And that really sucks because, oh, by the way, this also included, this statement also included language that specifically accused these 10 people of being subversive and disloyal to the United States. And what's important to note here is that being a communist was not and has never been illegal in the United States. These people weren't planning to overthrow a government. They were members of a political party. At the same time that there was also an American Nazi party. And this gets complicated because a lot of the people who were in the Hollywood 10 and then later, this list expanded far beyond those original 10 people. It encompassed hundreds of people to the point where you can't even verify the full list of names, but we do have a list of specific people whose careers were affected and effectively ended due to this list. Um, and they go far back. It wasn't just, oh, anybody who 
was interested in communism since Joseph Stalin happened. It was much more complicated. It went back in time to anybody who had ever interacted with communism in the United States at all. And this disproportionately affected Jewish people because a lot of Jewish people had emigrated from Russia. So they were obviously more familiar with that ideology. And if it was communism or the regime that forced them into shtetls and did not allow them to be part of the country, communism was obviously more appealing and that might have been something they brought over with them. This was a very targeted attack against Jewish people in the film industry and it's why today you also need to be careful of new you also need to be careful of media outlets that accuse Jews of being disloyal because it's referring back to the same thing who are people supposed to be loyal to are we not loyal to the United States is that the implication it ended a lot of careers, it ruined a lot of lives that this happened. Um, six out of the ten people on the list of the Hollywood Ten were Jewish, but other people who were named include Dorothy Parker, who interacted with communism in like the 30s, before this was really an issue, and again, at the time, we were allies with Russia. We had fought beside them in World War II, so those are some names to know there. But we talked about Spartacus, so we'll get there. One of the members of the Hollywood Ten, who is not Jewish, but is a wonderful ally to Jewish people, is named Dalton Trumbo. So, Dalton Trumbo, member of the Hollywood Ten, spent 10 months in prison, then moved, was forced to move to Mexico City for a while because he was no longer welcome in the United States. He couldn't find anywhere to live, he couldn't find anyone to talk to him, and he and another member of the Hollywood Ten took their families down to Mexico and lived there for a while. Um, Trumbo published a book called Johnny Got His Gun, and it was essentially an anti-war book because he was a pacifist, and I think that's important. If you're going to be accusing someone of subversion and trying to overthrow the government it probably wouldn't be someone who's advocating nonviolence. <laughs> um but during the war trumbo received letters from individuals denouncing jews and those people were using quotes from his book to demand the u.s negotiate peace with nazi germany which is a problem and Trumbo was like, well, that's not good. I'm going to report this to the FBI because, you know, that's what a good citizen would do. People are advocating violence and are advocating you, you know, being supportive of the people who your nation is fighting a war against. He immediately regretted this because when the FBI agents showed up at his house, it was clear that their interest was in Trumbo and not the letters. And instead of pursuing anyone who was siding with Nazis, they instead went after him and started systematically dismantling his career for essentially supporting communism. He was a member of the Communist Party, but again, that was a political party. It, it wasn't an illegal activity. Also, in the United States, we pride ourselves on, like, 
freedom to believe whatever you believe politically, religiously, socially, etc. So this is extremely hypocritical um, t- for the government to be saying that you can't be a member of a certain political party. Yes. And at the point, I believe he'd already won one or two Oscars at this point, um, but he was not employable. However, Hollywood did, over time, come to work with him again, but at an extreme cost. He was never allowed to have his name on any of his works. He had to write under a pseudonym. He um, had to work very hard for a fraction of the money he was getting paid before, and he had a family to support, and that's something so important to remember. All these men named in this list, some of them were war veterans who had fought against the Nazis. A lot of them had moved here to avoid persecution in Russia. It's a huge problem. But while he was on the blacklist and unable to work for credit and therefore adequate pay, he wrote two Academy Award-winning movies, which he could not acknowledge or accept the awards for. He wrote Roman Holiday, which was in 1953, and The Brave One. Uh, The Brave One went to a pseudonym. It was just, this person cannot come, so we accept the award on their behalf. Uh, Roman Holiday, they gave the award to a front writer. They hired an actor to pretend to be this person with a fake name and go up and accept his award. Which is awful. Um, And he was lucky in that he was able to get his career back. But this is where we come to Spartacus. Spartacus is an incredibly inaccurate historical movie about the real person who we only know as Spartacus. It's important to know that's his gladiator name and therefore his slave name. We don't actually know Spartacus' real name. But he was a Thracian person taken into slavery and forced to be a gladiator. And he started a slave rebellion in early Rome. And here's where it gets complicated and intertwined with Jewish history. There's a person named Howard Fast who was on the Hollywood blacklist. He was a, a British Jewish person who came to America and after Trumbo, after the Hollywood black, I mean, after the Hollywood 10, he was put on the Hollywood blacklist and imprisoned. And while imprisoned, he wrote a book called Spartacus, which was essentially about the oppression of Rome and what it did to its people and why people needed to resort to a slave revolt again not super historically accurate but not the point and that's the other reason i wanted to bring it up this week because it can be really tempting to get mired down with facts and just say well this movie wasn't accurate it's not important but it was an accurate reflection of what was happening in the united states at the time and importantly spoiler alert this movie ended with the bad guy, the bad Roman guy, Crassus, 
saying, I demand to know who Spartacus is. Someone better point him out to me. And everyone who stood with Spartacus stood up and said, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. They all refused to name names. They all refused to do exactly what Dalton and the initial Hollywood 10 refused to do. They refused to sell each other out to get ahead themselves. And as a result, they were all crucified. And so we're going to put a pin in that and go to our final prong of the story, which is Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas sounds like a vaguely Irish Scots name. It's actually the name Isur Danielovich, a Jewish man who rose to fame with the name Kirk Douglas in the United States as a heartthrob, seeming very secular, seeming very non-Jewish, but he grew up in a Yiddish-speaking household. His family was from the Russian Empire in modern-day Belarus. What, what? That's where my relatives are from, too. Um, and he was not going to stand for this either. And this movie ended with that same scene, an adaptation of a Jewish author's work to tell a story about oppression that ended with the people in power having a needless witch hunt against a group of people who only ever wanted their freedom. And they all got crucified for it. They lost their lives, they lost their livelihoods, their families fell into chaos. And it reflected the whole American experience back onto itself and led to the end of the Hollywood blacklist. People finally started getting their jobs back. People named on the list were finally able to have credit to their work after years of essentially Jewish people being forced to work for less pay for no credit and basically told that they would only have subsistence but not ever be able to be remembered for their work in history, which as a historian, you must know is one of the worst things to have your place removed, to not be able to have recognition for your accomplishments. So this is a very important, very beautiful movie that although not whatever historically accurate, was historically accurate to the time it was written in. And it really forced America to take a long, hard look at itself. The only people ever executed for treason in the United States were Ethel and Julius Rosenberg, who were Jewish people. And there is debate about whether or not they were actually spies. The U.S. claims that they were spies from Russia. We don't know that. What we do know is that they were Jewish people. And they were electrocuted to death. And that was a result of the same House Un-American Activities Committee that sentenced Trumbo and his friends to a life essentially in exile from their people and from their jobs. I'm not saying I don't love America. I'm not saying I encourage spies. I am just saying the simple fact that the only people ever executed by the United States for treason was a Jewish married couple. And I think that's something we need to reckon with. So this was a very thoughtful reference in Warehouse 13 that I have a lot of love for and that I think we really needed to have a deep dive on. I love the deep dive. I appreciate it so much. And what I'm going to be a doofus about and ask is, you mentioned that Pete makes the Spartacus reference, but is this a 
fictional movie and fictional actor that is being represented to kind of invoke Spartacus or what? Yes. Okay. I'm glad you asked that. It is a fictional movie. We don't know what movie, I mean, he says what movie it is at some point in like a long list, but it goes by quick. But I think the reference here is more specifically on Kirk Douglas, because as we do learn later, um, the reason we keep seeing this actor is related to the fact that this actor's movies are playing on essentially, I don't think they say Turner Classic Movies, but it's Turner Classic Movies. Um, with commentary about the history. I mean, if you've ever watched Turner Classic Movies in the United States, in between movies and on commercial breaks, they'll have some sort of film expert come on and give you some background about the movie and why it's important and what it did for that actor's career. And they are saying this is an actor who would have enough credits to his name to sustain a marathon like that, Mm -hmm. Kirk Douglas definitely fits the bill. And I think that this actor, this fictional actor, is a direct allegory for Kirk Douglas, who has over 84 film credits to his name. Yeah, I think that's exactly what what I'm making the connection to, is that sort of like we saw with the... um, What is his name? The Iron Shadow. The writer's may not be able to actually use real film clips from real classic films. So they create fictional ones that then evoke exactly what you are describing to people interested in film. And like, that's the thing too, is that I don't know. I actually haven't seen even Spartacus. I mean, I actually, like, I know that famous ending. I think everyone knows it. I also know that I used to study classics and people, people complained about its inaccuracy but the point being what you've mentioned, that um, like we recognize that these films are indicative of American film history, and like it's clearly a sort of historical artifact um, of, of actual America, even if they're not actual films. I 100% agree, and so I just want to end with three more things. First, I do want to clarify my statements about Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. I'm not saying I don't love America. I'm not saying I encourage spies. I am just saying the simple fact that the only people ever executed by the United States for treason was a Jewish married couple, and I think that's something we need to reckon with. Second of all, I don't want to discount at all the issues of race and the Hollywood blacklist because people of color were also disproportionately effective and kept out of the industry. Um, that was not the focus of my studies. I, I tended to learn more about the Jewish experience because I didn't have a whole grad school experience to delve into every aspect of it. And the Jewish experience was particularly relevant to me and my history. But absolutely, this affected everyone who was not at the top of the social ladder. And I welcome any information anyone has about how this affected other minority communities because this sucks. And finally, what I wish to do is I would like to read the names of the Hollywood Ten because people have really tried to erase their memories from history and we shouldn't do that. Alva Bessie, screenwriter. Herbert Bieberman, screenwriter and director. Lester Cole, screenwriter. 
Edward Edward Dimitrik, director. Ring Lardner Jr., screenwriter. John Howard Larson, screenwriter. Albert Maltz, screenwriter. Samuel Ornitz, screenwriter. Adrian Scott, producer and screenwriter. Dalton Trumbo, screenwriter. For more information and a specific look into the making of Spartacus, I highly recommend the movie Trumbo, 2015, starring Bryan Cranston. I'm not saying any of the people on this list were perfect people, but they were Americans, and they weren't allowed to be. Hmm. That's so powerful. I love that you read their names, and I hope, I mean, I learned so much, and I hope our listeners really learned a lot as well. Thank you. So I know you'll probably cut a lot of it, but I just wanted to put all the stuff out there that I thought was important because it's, it's a story we should know about. I don't want to discount at all the issues of race and the Hollywood blacklist because people of color were also disproportionately effective and kept out of the industry. Um, that was not the focus of my studies. I, I tended to learn more about the Jewish experience because I didn't have a whole grad school experience to delve into every aspect of it. And the Jewish experience was particularly relevant to me and my history. But absolutely, this affected everyone who was not at the top of the social ladder. And I welcome any information anyone has about how this affected other minority communities because this sucks. And finally, what I wish to do is I would like to read the names of the Hollywood Ten because people have really tried to erase their memories from history and we shouldn't do that. Alva Bessie, screenwriter. Herbert Bieberman, screenwriter and director. Lester Cole, screenwriter. Edward Dimitrik, director. Ring Lardner Jr., screenwriter. John Howard Larson, screenwriter. Albert Maltz, screenwriter. Samuel Ornitz, screenwriter. Adrian Scott, producer and screenwriter. Dalton Trumbo, screenwriter. For more information and a specific look into the making of Spartacus, I highly recommend the movie Trumbo, 2015, starring Bryan Cranston. I'm not saying any of the people on this list were perfect people, but they were Americans and they weren't allowed to be.